Hey, this is Pastor Madison. I am so excited that you're tuning in today to the Crosspoint Podcast. My prayer is that this word inspires you, uplifts you, and enlightens you. You can connect with Movement Youth on Instagram at movement underscore youth or the Point College Ministry at the Point College. Let's jump to the message. This will be our last message of the Ordinary People series. Ooh. And we've been going through ordinary people in the Bible, right, that God used to do extraordinary things. Yep. And I don't know about you guys, but this has been really encouraging to me. Has it been encouraging to you? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Yes. It's been so encouraging to me just to learn about how God used just these ordinary, normal people and how they went on to just do amazing, amazing things. Uh, But tonight I'm so excited to preach on an extraordinary moment that happened for a woman who was not only ordinary, She was a total outcast to those who knew her. Let's go ahead and pray before we dive in. God, I pray that any distraction that's going on uh, in the minds or in the hands of these students, that you would just shut it down and that they can be totally locked into your word and that they're hungry for you and that by the end of this night that they feel filled up with your Holy Spirit. I pray that as I speak, you bless these words that come out of my mouth and that they touch the lives of these students. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so one thing that you might not know about me, I have always had a guilty conscience. Anybody know what that means? Yeah. I've always just felt, like, just guilty about a lot of things. This is kind of dumb, but I'm going to share it with you. So when I was younger, like I said, I was guilty about everything. And I distinctly remember one time I went to the darn bathroom, okay? I went to the bathroom, and I got out of the bathroom, and I just wanted to go watch TV. So I went in the living room. I sat on the couch. Kind of disgusting. I didn't wash my hands. And so I was sitting there thinking about how guilty I felt that I didn't wash my hands. How dumb does that sound? Super dumb, right? So what do I do? I go wash my hands, and then I go up to my mom, and I said, hey, mom, I didn't wash my hands. Like, what was I, I don't even know. Like, I just felt so guilty about everything that I literally had to tell my mom that I didn't wash my hands when I went to the bathroom. Weird, I know. So fast forward to fourth grade, and uh, I just want you guys to know that I never cheated. I did not cheat. I was one of those people who I wouldn't even let you copy off my homework or anything. I just, you stay in your lane, I stay in mine, I'll help you, but you're going to do your own work kind of person. So I never cheated, but I had a weak moment in the fourth grade. And it was like the first week of school. And does your teacher, do your teachers ever do this thing where they have like a, a test at the beginning just to test how much you know? Yeah. So it was one of those dumb things. And my fourth grade teacher had us get out a piece of paper and had us take this test, and she asked this math problem. And I was really trying to rack my brain, trying to come up with this answer, and I thought I had it, so I wrote it down, and I I started thinking about it more, and then I I overthought it, so I erased it, and I changed it. And then, do you guys, maybe this is just like a fourth grade thing, do you still have like table, tables of desks, and then the people, like one person collects all the papers? Yes. Okay, some of you do. So I was the person who collected all the papers, apparently, that semester. And so I collected all these papers, and this boy in my class, I saw his answer for that question. And it was the original answer that I put. So I took my paper, and I erased it, and I changed it back to the first answer. And I felt so guilty. I swear to you, that's the only time I've ever cheated. But I still sometimes feel the shame of what I did. And what's silly is that I was willing to walk away from the truth to impress someone, my fourth grade teacher, 
was something that didn't even matter. Like those tests weren't even graded. But yeah, I was still willing to walk away from the truth because I wanted to impress her. And we do that a lot, don't we? We try to impress people who don't even matter. We do it all the time. But it's hard because in the moment, it seems like a big deal, right? Like we really want to impress these people, but it isn't until we take a step back that we realize the lie that we just lived. And then we can feel this shame. Anybody ever feel shame? So there was this woman in the Bible who felt shame. And we're going to talk about her tonight. This is a powerful story. But before we dive into this woman and, and, and talking about her, I, I want to back it up. Everybody say, back it up. Okay, you guys are going to have to liven up a little bit. Everybody say, back it up. Thank you. Okay. Anyone remember the Israelites? Anybody know who the Israelites are? Okay. So we, we've talked about them a couple times, but they were a people in the Old Testament, which is the beginning of your Bible. Okay. The, the Israelites were a people in that part of the Bible who fled from Egypt, the Egyptians, because they were enslaved and it was a hard life. It was a bad life. So they fleed from Egypt, from the Egyptians, and God parted the Red Sea. Anybody recall what I'm saying? He, he parted the Red Sea for them so they could walk through and escape from the Egyptians. And then God told the Israelites, these people, that they were going to inherit a promised land. He was going to give them a beautiful, beautiful land. Okay, fast forward a little bit. Jericho was a city. And the Israelites had to get through Jericho in order to take this promised land. They needed to conquer Jericho to get that promised land. And they had been waiting years and years and years for it. So they were ready to go. Now, earlier in the story, okay, this was the first sermon I ever preached to you guys. It was on our kickoff night when we were upstairs with Maddie Poppy. But I said you can either move with the 10 or you can move with the Two, yes. And I talked about how the Israelites, they sent in, they wanted to scope out this land that they were going to have. So they sent out these 12 spies, and only two of them came back with good reports. Anybody remember that? Only two of them came back with good reports. And one of the spies that was sent out, that came back with a good report, was Joshua. Joshua. He came back with a good report, and then he eventually became a leader of the Israelite people. So he's an, a leader right now in this story. And Joshua, this next part is going to preach, even though this is not even the, the point of the message, but it preaches. Joshua decided to send out spies again as, as the leader. He decided to send out spies again to look over Jericho, to look over the land and see if they could conquer it. But instead of sending out 12 spies like they did before, he decided to send out two. Why would that preach? That'll preach because Joshua learned that he did not need all the approval from a bunch of different people. He didn't need all the opinions, all the thoughts from all the people. He wasn't trying to please everybody. He needed to. In the same way, you guys do not need a bunch of different people to approve of you. You do not need all the opinions. Okay, take it from Joshua. That is not the point of the message, but I had to say that. Joshua sends the two spies, and those two spies end up at the house of a prostitute. So they go into this woman's house who's a prostitute. You talk about shame. She's a prostitute. Imagine the shame that this woman named Rahab felt about being sold time and time and time again for her body. But yet, God 
still uses her, a prostitute, an enemy of the Israelites. This woman was not part of the Israelite group. She was part of the people of Jericho that these Israelites were trying to conquer. She was an enemy. She was a prostitute. She was poor. She literally lived on the outskirts. Like they had a huge city wall. You guys know the story of Jericho with the walls. She lived in the wall on the outskirts of society because she was poor. So she's a prostitute. She's an enemy and she's poor. But yet God still used her. And somebody, somebody saw those two spies go into Rahab's house. They must, they must have seen these two men of the Israelites go into Rahab's house. Because word gets around to the king of Jericho that these two men are in her home. And the king of Jericho, the king, sends a message to Rahab to bring out the men, the two spies. I just want to pause because Rahab is a poor prostitute girl, but the king of Jericho, a prominent king, sends a message to Rahab, someone who lives on the outskirts of society, somebody that everybody calls Rahab the prostitute, somebody, somebody that everybody overlooks. Rahab in that moment, guys, could have decided to try and impress the king. She could have made the decision to impress a prominent person where she lived, to bring him the spies, to tell him everything that she knew. But Rahab had enough faith in God that she chose to keep the two spies safe, so she didn't tell them. And this is before she knew anything about what the spies could do for her, what these Israelite people that worship this God could do for her. She didn't know or have any of these promises, yet she knew that she wanted to have faith in this God. So she kept it a secret that these two men were in her home. So this is what Rahab says instead. She said, yes, two men did come to me, but I didn't know where they'd come from. At dark when the gate was about to be shut, the men left. But I have no idea where they went. Hurry up, chase them. You can still catch them. When in reality, what Rahab did was she took these two spies up on her roof and she hid them under the stalks of flax. And flax is like this thing that they used to put on roofs. And so she hid them on her roof. And then these, these men that came to try to find the spies, they believed her, so then they left. And they tried to chase down the two spies that were actually on her roof. So Rahab went up to the roof and she said, I know that God has given you this land. She believed it. She said, I know that God has given you this land. She, she had heard, she said, we heard how God dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you left Egypt and what he did to the two kings east of the Jordan. We all had the wind knocked out of us and all because of you, you and God, your God, God of the heavens above and God of the earth below. She's saying, I believe in your God. I've seen what he can do. I've seen the mountains that he's moved. I believe in your God. Then she says, now promise me by God. I showed you mercy. Now show my family mercy. And she asks for her family to be saved. When the Israelites come to take over Jericho, and when the battle happens, she asks that her family will be saved. So they give her a red rope, and they say, hang it out your window so we know not to touch your family, not to touch this home. And so Rahab she lowers them out of the window, these spies. She lowers them out of the window with a rope. 
And she told them, she helped them, run for the hills so your pursuers won't find you. Hide out for three days and give your pursuers time to return. Then get on your way. So these two spies, they listened to Rahab. So they go out. They did what she said. They waited three days, and then they were completely safe. Nobody ever found them. They returned to Joshua, who sent them out, and they were with the Israelites again. Okay, Rahab, guys. Rahab had a dirty past. She had shame. But then God came knocking, literally. He came knocking on her door. Those two men came knocking on her doorstep. She could either let them in, or she could have either told them, to get lost. You all have the exact same opportunity. No matter your shame, no matter your mistakes, God, God is going to come knocking in your life. Do you guys believe that? He is going to come knocking in your life. You all have to have the faith, though, to open that door instead of telling God to get lost like we all the time do. Rahab, guys, she was a prostitute. She had every reason in the book not to trust God or the men that came on her doorstep. Because time and time again, men had heard her. Time and time again, she was told that she was nothing but a prostitute. If you look at every single piece of scripture that talks about Rahab, they refer to her as Rahab the prostitute. It's not just Rahab, because that's what people called her, Rahab the prostitute. But she had enough through that to think, maybe their God, maybe their God who split the Red Sea, can make a way for me too. Maybe the God that split the Red Sea and caused the waves to crash on their enemies so that they could be saved can make a way for me too. No matter what I've done, no matter my shame, no matter my past. And God saves Rahab. And she is the, she is the picture of grace. And not only, guys, this, I know that maybe some of you are like, I don't care. This is so cool. Not only was Rahab saved, but God had a redemptive strategy for her life. You see, later on, Rahab married a prince of Israel, the Israelites. She married a prince, and she became the great-great-grandmother of King David. We just talked about King David. You guys remember that? Yes. That inserted her into the lineage of Jesus Christ. And you will find Rahab's name in Matthew, in the genealogy of Jesus. Do you know what that means? That means that God birthed his son, the Messiah, in the bloodline of a prostitute. Not only that, but Rahab is mentioned in James 2.25. And it says, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and set them off in a different direction. They call Rahab the prostitute righteous. That should be good news for you guys because you guys are messed up. I'm messed up. We create drama. We create issues. We blame God for things. We blame other people for things. But it should be good news that the God who would take a prostitute and through her bloodline birth the Messiah, the Savior of the world, that is good news for us. So in Hebrews 11, this is so good, guys. Okay, in Hebrews 11, it says, By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time 
to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. Some of y'all are like, I don't get why that's cool. They just said, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And then they go, I don't even have time to tell about David, the king of Israel, the greatest king of Israel. The author didn't have time to mention David, but he had time to mention Rahab, the prostitute. That's powerful. This is why it's powerful. God... Some of you need to engrave this in your brain. God does not look at people based on our standard of importance or significance. God saw that Rahab had faith and he used her. And so often we think, God can't use me. I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. I deal with anxiety, depression, terrible thoughts, suicidal thoughts. I've done things I regret. But I want you to notice, God did not change Rahab before he used her. She was still a prostitute when he used her. And God can use you in your brokenness and your mistakes. Rahab had nothing, guys. She had absolutely nothing to offer except her faith. Just a little bit of faith. So here's what I want to say to you tonight. Have faith. That's all God needs. He just needs a little bit of faith. Watch God save you. Watch God save your family because of the faith that you have, even if it is just a little bit. Rahab probably had shame because of her past. You probably, too, have some shame about things you've done or words you've said or people you've hurt. But the beautiful thing about us today is that we don't have to live in shame. It's because Jesus suffered the shame of the cross for us. Guys, being up on that cross next to two criminals with nails in his hands and his feet, that is a shameful way to die. But he took the shame up on the cross so that we do not have to live in shame. So when those doubts and those fears and those insecurities of those past mistakes that you've made or those labels that the kids at school try to slap on you, you remember that you have a savior that took every ounce of pain and shame up on the cross with you so you don't have to live with that anymore. I hope you believe that because the enemy wants to sneak in and tell you differently. He wants you to to go your whole life in shackles, in chains, thinking that the mistakes that you made yesterday are going to hold you down for an eternity. That's a lie. Some of you tonight, you feel that, that pain and that shame and those shackles and those chains. And some of you tonight have this little whisper, this lie that's being told in your mind that you're not enough, that you'll never measure up, that God can't use you because you're too ordinary, you're too normal. You've messed up way too many times. The person next to you in class is way more special than you. That person on the football team is way better than you. You will never measure up to what they do, to who they are. 
Some of you tonight need Jesus. All of you tonight need Jesus. But some of you maybe haven't made that decision that you want to follow him. Some of you maybe have fallen away and have fallen into the world and are doing things that cause drama and hurt and pain, but you want to turn from those things and you want to run to God. Tonight, I want to give you the opportunity to say that I choose Jesus and I choose to believe that he did take the shame for me so I don't have to live with it anymore. So I just want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And on the count of three, if you're ready to leave that shame behind you and you want to choose Jesus and you want to choose to recommit your life to Jesus, I want you to slip up your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand tonight if you want to get rid of that shame. You can put those hands down. Thank you. We're going to say this prayer, guys. And I just want you to Take these words into your heart. I want you to truly mean them. Repeat after me, dear God, thank you. We choose you. We love you. We want you. Thanks for sending your son to carry our shame. Remind us that you can use us, even in our brokenness, even in our pain. We will choose to live for you. We will choose faith, just like Rahab. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise. I just have something on my heart. We have a lot of, of babies arriving. Kate, Victoria, Fisher and Kari, who just had babies. And I've been thinking a lot about the beauty of how these little bodies, these little people that aren't here right now are being formed in Victoria and Kate right now in their bellies and they're carrying these beautiful humans and they're so special and they're so unique and they're one of a kind and they're being crafted and molded how God wants them to be. He's shaping them. Victoria and Kate right now, they aren't doing anything to shape their babies. They're carrying the baby that God has created and it is a special human being. It is unlike any human being that is on this planet. And at one time, you guys were those babies, and you were so special, and you were so unique, and you're so one of a kind, because God created you to be that way, and you can still be those unique, one of a kind people. You don't have to have all these lies that the world tries to tell you to conform to this pattern, this way of, of living. You guys can be unique and one of a kind. If you enjoyed today's message, I would encourage you to like it or share it on social media. Movement Youth for 6th through 12th graders meets on Wednesday nights with service beginning at 7 p.m. And the Point College Ministry meets on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. We would love to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in.